Each weekday, Learning Markets hosts an hour-long live webinar where we answer your questions, evaluate individual stocks, and discuss trading strategies. Scottrade customers can access those webinars or daily recordings of each event for free on the Knowledge Center tab on scottrade.com. We hope to see you there, and please tell us what you think. Well, the markets woke up this Wednesday after a pretty rough night. Now, here recently, we've been talking about tariff fears as they ramped up last week, and then as they were largely brushed up. So we saw a lot of folks, investors like Ray Dalio, for example, or politicians like Paul Ryan playing down the uh, idea of tariffs, or at least or at least trying to present a counter-argument to the method of just a somewhat arbitrarily saying 25% on imported steel and 10% on imported aluminum. And to an extent, I have to say, it does look like those counter-arguments, if you will, were successful, that investors were pricing in the a greater likelihood that uh, tariffs would, in fact, not be implemented, or, or at least the scope would be narrow enough that maybe there'd be some localized problems and, and maybe even some benefits. Uh, that seems unlikely, but uh, localized problems would be kept under control. And some of those that optimism does seem to be centered around economic advisors around the uh, President Trump, including Gary Cohn. And that last night, the reason why the markets were shocked uh, down uh, 300 plus points at one point in the futures market on the Dow, which is, as we record anyway, still down about 200 points, was uh, Gary Cohn is uh, leaving as director of the National Economics Council. So he plays a very senior role as a economic player in the White House, along with uh, folks like you could think about him, although obviously the role is very different to people like Steve Mnuchin, Secretary of the Treasury. So the the while Steve Mnuchin may have a more prominent uh, position, the role that Gary Cohn plays is important. Plus, he has a lot of industry cred, former president of Goldman Sachs. And the, the investors did seem to be anchoring on that as uh, he's anti-tariff, so pro-free uh, trade in that sense, they, that that would... Uh, make it less likely, A, that we'd see uh, tariffs at all, and and B, that uh, tariffs would be kept uh, fairly constrained. So what we're looking at right now, as we mentioned in the podcast already, this is not like a redo of the Smoot-Hawley Act. Uh, it, it's not on that scale, but investors do get a little nervous about that because it increases uncertainty. And today's a good example of this, actually, because although with uh, Gary Cohn's departure, uh, we saw some volatility in the market. And, and again, we'd have to ask, well, is, the, is this in fact going to be priced in as a positive for steel stocks at least? So I was uh, looking at a few. We used some examples last week, but I found one that's a really good, I think a very focused example on exactly this. Uh, Timken Steel, the symbol is TMST. The president of, uh, or CEO rather, of Timken Steel it was has in fact been uh, lobbying for a uh, tariff like this. So th this and and it, to be clear, I don't think anybody is making any reasonable argument that steel is not being dumped into the global market. So that the subsidized steel from China and so forth is is not being dumped into the global market. I think it's it's pretty clear that that is in fact happening. That that's not their argument. The argument is whether or not uh, a tariff and it's accompanying complications, including reciprocal uh, tariffs and other measures against uh, exports from the United States, will be worth the potential benefits. Well, it, it, we, we have to ask, it, not only is that offset worth it, but is there benefits to this? 
So uh, we spent a fair amount of time on this last week, but just as a review today, uh, TMST is a very concentrated has very concentrated exposure that we would expect to have some uh, benefit here. The stock's not moving anywhere. Now, investors, despite the efficient market hypothesis, are not perfect at discounting all future information into the uh, price of the market. So it's possible that investors are just wrong. But it's not that common that we'll see something that should have a significant impact have virtually no impact. Now, some other steel stocks, they've been doing a little bit better today. U.S. Steel's up 3.8%. That sounds like a lot, but actually the stock moves a lot on a day-to-day -day basis. 3.8% is a little bit higher than average in 2017, or the average range in 2017, but it's actually not that unusual these days. And, and prior to 2017, it's, uh, again, not, uh, not uncommon for the stock to move about that much. AK Steel, which is uh, one of the examples that we used along with Nucor last week in the daily market commentary, the uh, stock is up about 1.42%. The symbol is AKS. Again, that sounds like a positive, and it is. It is, po it is up, but that's actually not very much. So on a day-to-day -day basis, that's lower than its average range day-to-day. Uh, -day. So it was up more than that yesterday uh, without, the, uh, without an announcement like this. So I, I think investors are still basically pricing in a net negative from tariffs, and without uh, a voice like Gary Cohn's in the White House, does that make an escalation of some kind more likely? Because it's not just about whether or not this helps steel stocks, but does it hurt other uh, companies? So as long as it stays fairly focused, I, I suspect the, the effect will probably be a net negative. But is it likely to turn around the market? I don't think so. But it, it could create some problems for industrials. Now, this time around, it hasn't been as bad. GE's down about 2.6%. But others that really suffered last time around, like Boeing, for example, they're only down about a percent. Uh, UTX, for many of the same reasons that Boeing was down before, cost of inputs would be up quite a bit. They're also down about 0.85%. But uh, that's actually not bad. That's about in line with the Dow Jones Industrial Average. So uh, not terrible. But the consensus does seem to indicate that overall investors are not looking at this as a real positive, and they may start to price in a little bit of additional volatility, which could hold the S&P 500 underneath its prior highs uh, for at least the short term as traders try to account for the fact that this is something that could wind up spreading outside of industrials and maybe automakers and steel stocks into a, uh, a, a worsening problem. Now, I do think that that's unlikely, but it's not an impossibility. So it's something that we ought to keep our eye on over the next couple of weeks as we no doubt we're going to have more of this back and forth. We'll probably have some mixed messages coming out of Washington and industry until we finally figure out what's actually going on. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. As we get more information, it's going to be much easier to determine where all of these things are going to play out and how they may play out. But that's part of the problem is that we don't have the information yet of just how quickly this could accelerate and whether or not the Trump White House is actually going to move forward with these tariffs this week, like President Trump seems to be calling for, or if it could be delayed and what form it's all going to take. What's been interesting is to see uh, some of the differing reactions in the various markets. As you mentioned, the S&P 500 was down a little bit in his range bound. But if you look at the Russell 2000, it's actually moving higher today and it moved higher yesterday. It broke through a nice downtrending resistance level yesterday and today is moving up above its February highs. We haven't actually seen the Russell 2000 this high since the 2nd of February when the 
the markets started to pull back on concerns that inflation was going to become a problem. And part of this may be the nature of the companies that are within the Russell 2000. And this is something that we have talked about in the past when we try to think of the exposure that companies have to different economies around the world. If you are looking at the Dow Jones Industrial Average or even the S&P 500 or NASDAQ for the large part, a lot of those companies have multinational exposure. They are doing business in multiple countries, they have offices in multiple countries, and so they are going to be a little bit more sensitive to the fluctuations of economic developments, not only here in the United States, but elsewhere. On the other hand, with the Russell 2000, most of those companies have a domestic focus. They're smaller, they just don't have as large of a footprint, and so that footprint doesn't usually expand to international markets. And so with the concerns about the trade wards that could be heating up here, uh, it looks like some investors are looking at that and saying, all right, if we do get trade wars, maybe the companies that are focused more domestically and don't have as much international exposure may not be hit quite as hard. Now, I think in any type of a trade war, everybody is going to suffer at some point along the way, whether it's a cost of an input that is going up, like you mentioned, with Boeing and Ford and other companies that are heavily reliant on steel and aluminum, or whether it's tariffs that are getting slapped on other inputs, we are all likely to feel those things. But it does look like traders are thinking that smaller cap stocks may be a great place to be because they have a domestic footprint and not necessarily an international footprint. It's also interesting to see this happening because small cap stocks typically will lead the way lower if traders are concerned overall in terms of the potential for growth within the equities market because they are a little more volatile. They carry a little bit more risk with them, but they also have the potential for greater rewards. And so to see the Russell 2000 breaking up above a key resistance level at 1560 today is quite important, I think, in terms of trying to see what Wall Street is focusing on and whether or not they are bullish on the equities market or bearish on the equities market. It shows me that they want so badly to be bullish on the equities market. They just keep getting all these curveballs thrown at them that they're trying to respond to. And it seems like with every curveball, they they take it, that we may see stocks drop a little bit, and then they rebound. And uh, traders are still trying to be positive. They're looking at the potential for earnings growth. They're looking at a strong underlying U.S. economy and are hoping that that is going to continue moving forward. So we'll have to wait and see if that really pans out that way. But so far, traders seem to be willing to give the U.S. economy the benefit of the doubt. And we are seeing that in small cap stock, which is positive. Interestingly, we are not seeing the bond market being quite as positive. The yield on the 10-year treasury continues to consolidate lower in a downtrending channel that it started after it reached its peak at about 2.95% on February 21st. It's been dropping down lower. And the fact that we aren't seeing a lot of concern about inflation being priced in to even a greater degree into the TNX is going to be interesting to watch to see if we can get equities rising at the same time that we are seeing treasury yields dropping. We just got news from the beige book today that 
shows that prices do seem to be rising in the U.S. economy, and that can be a concern. And certainly if trade wars start to heat up, that is going to push prices higher. We already are looking at the prices of aluminum and steel going up. And uh, we have heard Wilbur Ross and others saying, hey, it's not going to have that big of an impact on a can of Campbell's soup. Uh, but if we see more generalized price increases because of broader trade wars, that could put some inflationary pressure here on the United States economy. And if that inflationary pressure isn't going to be accompanied by a strong uh, economic growth, it could leave the Fed in a catch-22 where they don't want to raise interest rates to stifle the U.S. economy and its growth potential, but they also will want to be raising interest rates to keep inflation under control. So we've got a lot of moving parts right now that, as you mentioned, we don't know exactly how it's all going to play out, but as we get more information during the next couple of weeks, it should certainly be helpful. And in the meantime, we can look at traders on Wall Street that do seem to be rather bullish and are wanting to push equities prices higher, but we'll just see if they're able to surmount the seemingly unending stream of curveballs that are being thrown at them. So we'll continue to keep you posted here in the podcast and, of course, each trading day in the Daily Market Commentary. If you have any comments or questions for us, we'd love to hear from you at podcastatlearningmarkets.com. And for those of you who are following us on iTunes, we always appreciate those positive reviews. Thanks.